This is Mark Iskowitz, editor-at-large for MMM, and welcome to the MMM podcast for October 26, 2021. During the pandemic, when many people and their kids were working from home or attending virtual classes, patients and HCPs alike spent more time on mobile devices and streaming content. A lot more. But as society has moved on from quarantine and staying at home, an interesting thing is happening. The quicker pace of streaming and mobile use seen in 2020 continued well into 2021. And that data have media analysts thinking that the seismic behavioral shifts seen during the pandemic aren't likely to be temporary. This week on the podcast, the impact of the pandemic on media consumption and how health brands are evolving media strategy to address it. And here with me to unpack that is Maria Simeone, VP of Marketing for PulsePoint. PulsePoint has a new white paper out called The State of Health Media, First Half 2021, reflecting real-world activity between Jan 1 and June 30th, and that wealth of data offers some clues as to where health media will be investing in the future. Hey, Maria, and welcome to the MMM podcast. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. Of course, pleasure is all mine. And uh, Maria is going to take us through uh, PulsePoint's half-yearly readout. She'll share more about that ongoing and now nearly universal change in behavior among both health consumers and HCPs gleaned from the data and offer up some key trends in media spend and some of the implications. But first, some housekeeping. A virtual event, MMM Convene Mental Health, is slated for October 27th, so tomorrow. We're inviting medical marketers to join in the discussion with leaders in the realms of pharma and biotech to plot out a post-pandemic course to ensure that issues around mental health, including the destigmatization of depression and newfound awareness of barriers to care, don't fade with a return to something approximating normalcy. Okay, back to the interview with Pulse Point's Maria Simeone. Before we start, I just want to point out that these insights are called from PulsePoint's platform. It opera, operates one of the major demand side platforms in health marketing and from the tools it uses to measure media transactions. Uh, so Maria, why don't we just start out by talking about the first point uh, in the white paper here, which is talking about the growth in programmatic health media, uh, which was, was quite substantial uh, in the first six months of the year, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it absolutely was. You know, we've been seeing this trajectory of growth for several years now, um, and our data report demonstrated that brands are getting a lot smarter about the unique benefits afforded by programmatic um, and are increasingly leveraging these benefits to help drive their campaigns, whether that's to reach consumers or healthcare professionals. Um, so in other words, you know, programmatic continues to be a catalyst for major change within healthcare, um, where we're seeing, you know, increased use as uh, a way to engage audiences, um, unsurprisingly mobile and apps continue to feature as a uh, growing device. Um, and we're also seeing a significant upticks in new formats like CTV, visual-based ad formats, and um, an increase in ad campaign sophistication um, as well. What's the um, driving, you know, the, these, these media investments and, and pharmaceutical and other health brands increase utilization of, of these various types of media? I think it's largely consumer preference and behavior. Um, you know, the pandemic has been going on for almost two years now. And so um, I think a lot of the behavioral changes that um, were brought on by the pandemic are here to stay um, because they've now become a habit uh, as opposed to a trend. Um, and so that's a large part of why we're seeing mobiles rise. Um, you know, it, 
the, the increase in mobile usage, especially at a global level, is not something that is uh, new or particularly surprising, considering more people are accessing information on their phones. Um, when you're looking to target healthcare professionals, you know, it's a great opportunity because for the most part, um, and I know whenever I go to the doctor, my, my doctor and um, the supporting staff are not, they're, not, they're very rarely sitting. Um, it's a very on-the-go job. And so, you know, one of the things that we saw on the first half of this year is that, you know, in-app impressions, in addition to mobile web, have been growing quite a bit. Um, we saw 33% growth. And for marketers, in-app impressions have become valuable for two reasons. One, because they're based on device IDs, so they're more deterministic. Um, in other words, with an app, as opposed to a mobile web ad, advertisers have a clear idea of who's being reached because you're logged into that app. Second, app users tend to view in-app placements more because at least at this point, there are fewer types of placements within the app. So the ability to capture the audience's attention uh, isn't defrayed by ad overload, as you might see on some websites. Um, and so, you know, a viewer can be more focused um, and engage with the ad that is, or the message that is served to them. Sure. And so, you know, that that's a you know, perfect segue into, you know, the second area that I wanted to ask you about, which was device trends. And in the, the white paper shows that about 70% of first half impressions were served on mobile devices versus only 30% on desktop. And there were 49% more uh, mobile impressions versus the, uh, for the prior year's six months. And I think what you said in that paper was that what's startling is, is the pace of, of mobile growth in healthcare. And dur during that same period, desktop impressions actually dropped 14%. What's, what's the story behind that? I mean, I think I think desktop and display will always be a foundation for digital campaigns, but there is an appetite and um, a willingness to invest in newer formats um, as healthcare marketers become more more accustomed to the benefits of programmatic, um, especially when there are additional capabilities like new scrolling ISI capabilities that can be added on um, to both either display or video in you know, mobile apps so that um, the format of the ad unit itself is really tailored to the needs of the healthcare marketer, making sure that they're complying with legal regulations, um, as, as well as being able to communicate what their brand message is in the actual ad creative. Site impressions rose 33%, but in-app impressions nearly doubled that growth rate. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, know, you, you explain why in-app impressions are so highly valued by, by marketers. What's the difference in CPM between a, a web, website inventory and in-app inventory? In-app inventory tends to be um, priced higher. Um, it is generally more scarce. And again, because you have 
you've com you command the attention of the audience, um, there's an opportunity for the market to value it a bit higher. So one key caveat regarding apps was that brands spent about 75% more on site inventory than in-app inventory. Um, and the lower cost per CPM and greater availability of supply for site versus app is one of the reasons. I think it's important to keep in mind that on average, in-app impressions cost uh, about 50% more than site impressions, largely because uh, you know, there are fewer numbers of apps and less placement inventory within the apps. So as a result, you know, while we're seeing mobile's powerful growth, uh, and there are about you know 200% more site impressions than in-app impressions um, during the first half of the year. Again, uh, you know because of cost and supply. It's the old uh, supply and demand rule of, of economics. <laughs> exactly, the yeah, supply sure. and demand rules of economics apply. Right, right. Okay, let's uh, let's let's move over to the media mix. I'd like to, to hear your, your take on some of the uh, implementation trends. How are brand marketers ex experimenting with the media mix? What new formats are they testing and investing in? You know, one thing that we saw that was really exciting was the bright future for connected TV as um, a new channel and format for healthcare marketers. So we saw a 27% increase of healthcare professionals that visited a brand website after um, after engaging with a connected TV ad. Um, this is, you know, connected TV presents tremendous opportunity for granular targeting, high level, it's popular with audiences. Um, it, for a healthcare marketer, you can target without having to use cookies. And there's also an increase in the quality and supply of connected TV. And all of those uh, factors we think are gonna present a really big opportunity for healthcare marketers in particular to shift traditional TV budgets to connected TV as a, another channel to engage with both the consumer and healthcare professional audiences. So it's, it's becoming an attractive option for healthcare marketing in addition to linear TV and is seeing actually higher um, engagement levels than linear TV. And so we should probably just define our terms here. CTV describes TVs that are either directly internet enabled like smart TVs or devices that are plugged into a TV to stream content over the top of the internet, as they say like Amazon Fire, Roku, Chrome Sticks, PlayStation, Xbox, gaming consoles, etc. And uh, PulsePoint calls CTV the fastest growing ad channel. And I think you've, you've said that about 50% of brand marketers are doing some form of TV and CTV. So those are very interesting findings. Do you have a sense of what kinds of programs HCPs are streaming? It's really across the board because it's not a professional setting. It's based on individual preference. Um, and so, you know, it, that's why the format lends itself to marketing because you can access an individual in a broader sphere um, than if your strategy is to just 
advertise on an endemic website or something that is contextually relevant to either their specialty or healthcare in general. So it's an opportunity to, you know, find and engage audiences based on, you know, when they are signaling that they may be interested um, and available to learn um, about your new treatment or some type of educational opportunity available. So we, we should also mention that according to Nielsen, three quarters of Americans have at least one CTV device and total time spent streaming grew by 81% in 2020 to an estimated 4 billion hours of viewing per week. In addition to the eyeballs, so, so to speak, what's the allure of CTV uh, for media buyers in terms of its ability to target without cookies? Yeah, we think of CTV as being very similar to digital media, whereby anything you can do with digital, you can now do on CTV. And you get the added benefit of having the power of sight and sound to your advertising, which is um, obviously not present with any kind of display or um, static format. So with CTV, marketers can buy um, on either broad, a broad scale or by condition audiences to target their CTV ads to in-market customers who are actively searching for condition information. Uh, these are people who are leaning in and likely to be more open to um, the marketer's message, whether that's a you know, new condition, uh, treatment, or change in therapy. And so brands are able to um, you know, use CTV both as a channel for uh, building awareness, but also to retarget brand aware customers that may have been exposed to a digital ad uh, previously. And so, you know, as we think about CTV, it really helps to drive the overall media plan and amplify the effectiveness of other media formats um, and strategies that you may have as part of your, um, you know, your overall mix. And so, you know, the data and technology that exists is really to let marketers target these, what we call high impact moments of truth with CTV. Um, and Mark, you know, we did recently do a study with MM&M um, all around um, CTV and how marketers and, uh, you know, agencies and brands are buying this new channel. And we saw 70% of survey respondents said that, you know, CTV outperformed their TV buy. Um, it, it was either significantly better or better than their TV buy. Um, and it wasn't surprising that the survey showed the primary benefit perceived by CTV users uh, for using continuous versus linear TV is better for targeting. That's perhaps why I believe um, you guys also feel that 2022 is going to be a pivotal year uh, for uh, CTV vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the health industry's use of this, this format. Uh, let's talk about ad format trends. Uh, what ad formats did you see health brands utilizing? Two interesting aspects of the format situation are worth noting, um, and I think I had mentioned this earlier, you know, new scrolling ISI capabilities are substantially boosting video, and at the same time, we're seeing brands um, 
recognizing the power of native at delivering, you know, can, delivering high in, high impact and engaging moments at comparatively low cost. Video is the most engaging format for healthcare consumers. We might therefore assume it's the most expensive healthcare format. However, all leading display formats actually cost more than video when we looked at average CPMs in the first half of the year. So while HCB campaigns generally lean heavy towards display formats, um, I think that's because that then increases the overall cost of uh, display as a at a CPM level. Um, you know, video as an add-on can be um, a great opportunity that other verticals um, don't have in terms of cost per CPM. You know, video is cheaper because most health marketers are making use of display, which is, um, again, the old supply-demand curve. It's uh, lowering the supply and, and raising the demand in terms of display inventory. So marketers may be surprised at, at how um, reasonably priced they can they can get video in, in their media plans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and in addition to that, and you know native ads have also remained highly cost effective and a great way to engage and encourage action. So we saw um, you know in during this this time period, um, engagement with native grew at 313%, outpacing, you know, the otherwise like positive growth that we saw within display and video. And that's largely because of the contextual placement of native and the mindset of um, the audience when they're exposed to that type of um, ad format and messaging. Mm -hmm. And you also found, excuse me, that brands are increasing their variety of ad sizes um, well, right? Yeah, that part, that was a really interesting learning. I think, again, it goes back to um, just the programmatic maturity of healthcare marketers in general um, and the development of technology being able to power data-driven creative decisioning. Today, marketers can use data to adjust their campaigns in real time based on engagement behavior. And that's something that, you know, is never possible with traditional formats. And um, because, of, because of MLR regulations in the past may have seemed uh, prohibitive as, an, you know, a pro prohibitive to a healthcare marketer. Um, but if you think about it, uh, if, if your MLR team has already approved certain assets, um, creative assets like imagery and text, what creative, deci creative decisioning and personalization can do for you is to take all of those different variants and essentially combine them into ad units that um, you know, you, that are optimized for performance so that audiences are receiving the variant that speaks most to them um, and what programmatic technology is able to identify as being higher performing versus the spray and pray approach or um, delivering the same ad unit to every individual, regardless of 
their unique um, their unique needs or experience or um, where they are on the healthcare journey. Mm -hmm. So as a result, you can, as a health marketer, get more granular than you really have been able to in the past in terms of, you know, I'm not just going to target people with diabetes, you know, between the ages of 30 and 50, but I'm going to target people with type two diabetes or diabetes mellitus. And I like to switch gears again and just spend the last few minutes talking about some of the other trends that you saw. Let's start off with the one that you called in the, in the paper health's long tail, you know, meaning marketers are precisely fine tuning uh, their, their health categories, you know, in terms of, in terms of conditions targeted, you served impressions to only 98 conditions in January. However, in June, the same measure hit 1,267 conditions, which was, you know, truly a dramatic upward move. What the data showed was that health brands are really taking advantage of the long tail of health. Um, and so, what will be interesting is to see how this is playing out in the second half of the year um, and if there is any kind of variation uh, comparative to the first six months of 2021. Um, so some examples of long tail targeting terms that were used uh, include intervertebral disc chemolosis. Um, so, you know, very specific terminology that, again, when you think about healthcare marketing requires customized technology to be able to even identify relevant terms and, um, you know, contextual environments uh, that are either specifically addressing these long tail terms or uh, contextually relevant. Mm -hmm. Sure. And let's talk about the leading health concerns. What, what conditions were the biggest focus for health marketers during the first half? That part wasn't really surprising. Um, you know, diabetes has been the most prevalent disease state for decades. Um, and also there are so many comorbidities that um, are related to diabetes. So, you know, while um, the focus of programmatic impressions in the first half of the year um, was largely uh, on diabetes as a condition type. You know, some of the other uh, conditions that were also targeted were around health disease and cancer. Um, other leading conditions included menstruation, incontinence, neurological manifestations, um, and, you know, again, these kind of comorbidities um, that exist. And, and just as marketers targeted a range of conditions, they also uh, sought to address a range of different HCP targets. Uh, you know, the, the specialties targeted programmatically in the first half was, as you put it, remarkably broad. Obviously, primary care doctors were at the top of the list, followed by oncologists. But then uh, you found something rather striking, which was that non-physicians uh, were targeted quite a bit. Talk about that a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we saw brands making major investments in these groups, which include a particular focus on nurse practitioners and physician assistants. Um, you know, and the reason for this change is simple. They have prescribing power. So, you know, particularly among these two groups of non-physicians, the legal ability to prescribe has expanded. And that's not 
only gradually over time, but also disproportionately during this past year because of the COVID-driven rise in telehealth and staffing needed for you know, alternative health sites. Um, and so what we saw were health brands are increasingly targeting um, you know, nurse practitioners followed by physician assistants. Um, also, pharmacists who can't prescribe drugs but do influence consumer compliance with medication was also, were also targeted, um, you know, in addition to uh, these other allied healthcare professional groups. Uh, Maria, just one last question. Can you tell us what you were able to glean from the data in terms of how HCPs are shifting their uh, web behavior and in terms of, of, of where they're going? And also when they're doing it, you know, what, what times of day did you see HCPs actually, you know, going online for condition information? Yeah, one unanticipated finding from the data was that, you know, healthcare professionals are visiting brand sites at all hours of the day and that the numbers showing up in the middle of the night are not insignificant. Um, you know, this is likely to be because, um, you know, it's, it, during the workday, the healthcare professional is occupied um, with their role in providing care. And so the moments when they are able to, um, you know, either decompress online or do clinical research, you know, engage in activities relevant to their profession are going to be outside the you know, standard window of the nine to five. Okay, so the ongoing and, and now nearly universal changes in behavior among health consumers and health professionals that you're seeing seem like they'll have uh, some serious implications for media buyers and planners going forward. That's it for this week's show. I want to thank you, Maria, for joining us and for taking us through Pulse Point's half yearly readout. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate um, having the, the time to speak to you about it. Of course. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up. Better yet, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and help others discover the show. The MMM podcast is produced by Deborah Stoll, Gordon Failer, and Bradley Weems. We're out every week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.